Knockout Ginger, episode 23, with Magdalena Abrego, incredible guitar player, new podcaster. We recorded this remotely. I was sitting in my car in Toronto. It was raining. She was in Boston. Didn't ask what the weather was like. And it mostly worked. Thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. All right. We are in business. I am rolling. We are rolling. (laughs) Sweet. Should we recreate all that conversation that we just had off there? <laughs> I don't know. Should we? <laughs> okay, Fucking actually. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking shit. Uh, so how many episodes have you done so far? So I have recorded, I want to say seven episodes, um, but we've only published the one so far right. publicly. Um, Susan's, Susan Alcorn's episode. Um, we published a bonus episode on Patreon this week, um, but that's not for public consumption. It's only for subscribers, so I don't really count it. But, um, you know, basically what I did was have these sort of like 90-minute conversations and squeezed two episodes out of each of the conversations. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, it's a lot of audio editing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I hear you. yeah do you i feel like i don't want to like slip into interviewer mode i want to like ask you questions now but i'm just curious um like do you have like a list of questions that you bring to these or do you just sort of improvise i just totally improvise that's the way to do it though i have found it's so much closer to organic conversation which is what i think people are more interested in listening to so you've done seven Yes, so I've done yeah. seven. Yeah, and all of these people are people that you haven't met before, or most of them. Um, <clears throat> let me think about that. There are quite a few that I had not met before, um, and in general, I would say almost all across the board, they were people that I had never sat down and had a conversation with. And that was part of my interest in making this podcast in the first place. Like, I think that um, a lot of the people that I surround myself with in the music scene, you know, we never really talk. I know that sounds strange. I think that we just spend a lot of time in rehearsal rooms um, or on stage, but I don't really know anything about these people that I spend this time with. And it was just sort of my way of finding an excuse to sit someone down and just like ask them what's up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. uh, That's like the same reason that I did, that I started doing this. Um, Just like an excuse to hang with my pals. Yeah, totally. It's like a reason or a way to catch up with people. And I think that people listening feel that way as well. They're either meeting these people you're interviewing for the first time or catching up with old friends vicariously. 
Um, and it's, yeah. it's really cool. I like it. Yeah. It's, uh, the wiretap thing. Oh my gosh. Totally. Um, what's the biggest nightmare of potting for you so far? Oh my gosh. Do I have to pick one? Can I just go through like my no, laundry list? list? Them all. I got time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I, this is great. Cause I can like vibe with you over this. Cause you, you've been there. So, um, little nightmare is people not understanding recorded technology at all. <laughs> so I try so, to, you know, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you what you meant, but yeah. So I try to, um, prime my, um, interviewees in, in certain ways. And, um, one of the first things that I do is set up boundaries, um, and expectations for the conversation. Um, so, you know, addressing things that they might not want to talk about or giving them the opportunity to let me know what they would like to plug, things like that. Right. But beyond that, I, I try to just, you know, gently tell them how to uh, function in front of a microphone. But I try not to be too heavy-handed about it. But I, I started to get a little bit more heavy-handed about it as I was recording these episodes because people like to fidget, for instance, and some people fidget with microphones. <laughs> So yep. they would be in the middle of speaking, but they'd be touching the microphone. Instead, you'd get all this sort of unwanted sound happening that I can't, I can't really take out after the fact because I'm not some sort of, I'm not a professional audio editor. Like I'm just doing pretty rudimentary, like broad strokes editing. Um, and so that is really frustrating because I don't want to, you know, micromanage people and keep saying you know don't touch the microphone or don't touch the microphone or whatever um so that's that's one nightmare the other nightmare is file organization <laughs> so um keeping the files and like making sure that they don't evaporate um is really really important and actually surprisingly difficult <laughs> um especially when everything's named like zoom zero one six four three two zoom yeah, also, zero yeah. six four one three eight <laughs> also like zoom get your shit together why are we still naming files like like i can't import i have to rename files before i import them onto my laptop oh my god like, no. what are we doing here zoom I know. Also, as I, as I'm saying this, I'm fiddling with the microphone. So, <laughs> this is where we're at. You know. So you, you set parameters with your interviewee or your guest, whatever you, whatever yeah. we call it, huh? Yeah, you know, um, and that's for a few thing for a few reasons. Um, I mean. I find that it's just sort of like baseline. It's a great way to create a baseline or, um, you know, I, I typically ask these things actually weeks in advance um, via email. And then I'll, I'll reiterate when we are in person um, just so I have a sense of, 
what they would like to talk about or not talk about. And I think that the reason that I explicitly asked them what they don't want to talk about is because we have this very specific angle of talking about music um, through the lens of gender. So, you know, I don't ever state the gender identity of the guests on the podcast or the artist featured in the magazine or anything related to the input output, unless the artist chooses to bring that up Um, just because, you know, it's a complicated thing. Um, Some people would prefer to keep those things private. And also you don't want to force someone into being in the role of representative of a certain gender identity or whatever. Um, So, so that's certainly a part of it. The other thing too, that I've noticed as I've interviewed more and more people is that, there's, and I want, I so wonder if you come up against this, but there's, there's always the question of final approval, (laughs) um, on interviews. And, you know, I've done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of people in various industries, whether it's in print or in podcasting. And, you know, I typically tell guests, you know, it is not industry standard, for an interviewee to give final approval because then no one would ever have a negative thing written about them ever. (laughs) Um, That being said, I always offer interviewees the option to speak off the record at any point within the interview. So, you know, a lot of my interviewing style, I think falls into a more conversational tone. And so if there's something they want to tell me in the moment, but they don't want to have in the episode, they can totally just say, this is off the record. Tell me the thing. We clarify when we're back on the record and we like keep moving, Um, which I think is really great on a sort of relationships level. But it's kind of a nightmare as an interviewer because 10 times out of 10, the thing they tell me off the record is super compelling. And it's really heartbreaking when I don't get to, to share those things but i also completely understand uh yeah i understand why it's it's complicated you know right yeah i've canned entire episodes before oh my gosh wait tell me about that um just certain situations where um were like i don't really do the well obviously if anyone says i don't want this in i'm not putting it in but Mm-hmm. I don't really do so basically my my whole approach is like so I might have to cut this out because I don't want to give my secrets yeah so like I've had a couple with friends and we just get into some shit and then after the fact they're like oh yeah I don't want this part or this part or this part in and then it's like well without those parts th- Without those yeah. sections, this whole interview is useless. Yeah. I don't no, know. Totally. It's tough. I think I one of the things that I've really had to adjust to after founding Input Output is people treating me like press, which I think is really... It's just very um, unusual for me, or unfamiliar, I should say. So, for instance, um, sometimes... 
I will interview someone and we will hang out for quite a bit of time afterwards or before. And I will feel like we're just hanging out just as friends do or whatever. Um, but then they'll, they'll, they'll sprinkle our conversation with like, this is off the record, of course. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go <laughs> turn around and like write about this moment. This is like, you're not being interviewed right now. We're just hanging out. But it's funny because I think that, especially with more seasoned musicians who've been, who've had a lot of experiences with press, they never forget that I'm a writer or a podcaster. And that's so new to me. And it's really strange. Huh. I haven't really experienced this yet. Oh, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) I I think maybe because I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I put a lot of stuff in. I say some regrettable things and I put them in still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So maybe people, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not. Yeah. Who knows? No. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's value to that. Um, So for instance, or like, I should say there's value to preserving those organically uncomfortable moments, whether you say something wrong or they say something uh, awkward or whatever. Um, I'll give you an example. In the first episode of the Input Output podcast, I'm asking Susan Alcorn about her experiences with Pauline Oliveros. And... um, at some point when she's talking about her experiences with deep listening and Pauline, she says, I really hate talking about this. <laughs> and in person, when she said that, I just like my stomach just sort of fell because I was like, oh shit. Like, am I putting this person in an uncomfortable situation? And, and I knew I had to address her saying that in the moment. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to say? Um, and I, and I, I make a comment about how talking about abstract musical concepts are it's just hard to talk about in general. And then she agrees and I and I feel I feel better about her making the convers the, the comment of I really hate talking about this. But I I mean I totally could have just cut that out. But yeah. I think those are the moments that make conversations human and like th- those are the moments that distinguish interviews from conversations, I think. Right. And there there's also like a huge difference between I really hate talking about this and let's not talk about this. Totally. That has to be. So like her saying that, uh, as a listener hearing her say that, uh, it didn't, it didn't feel like there was any sort of like, there was no perceivable tension. Yeah. And I mean, that's something to take into consideration too, right? Like we hear everything so differently, especially in the moment as you're recording because you just have different priorities and different concerns. Um, and we're, we are, you know, very skeptical of ourselves. So I think trying to bring a little bit more um, compassion <laughs> when I listen to my own podcast has been a journey, especially since I hate the sound of my own voice. This has been horrifying, actually, <laughs> but, but I'm getting through it. Yeah, it goes away. I don't away. know how you feel about about listening. It goes away. That's good. That's good um, to know. Yeah, I mean, there's still certain episodes where, like, for whatever reason, like, the room we're in or, like, the microphone setup. Oh, no. I can't hear you. It's just, oh, just like, amp. Hang on a really... second. I think you're back. I'm sorry. You cut out for a sec. <laughs> 
so for whatever reason like depending on the room we're in or like the microphone distance or whatever there's still the odd episode here and there where i i hear my a, a certain thing amplified in my voice and it's like jabbing my eyes with a fork or something <laughs> but but for the most part it's like it's like listening to yourself play like if you do it enough oh, yeah. it's like well this is uh this is less than ideal but it's the life we chose <laughs> i want to get that on a motivational poster wait so what are you doing every other week releasing and then yeah, patreon so... every yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, so we're releasing an episode every other week and then releasing bonus episodes for the weeks in between that. And our schedule, our release schedule is really based on um, my own capacity. <laughs> um, I feel like I work three full-time jobs. Um, so this you know, we're doing kind of a slow rollout because that's, that's, that's kind of what I can handle. Um, plus it's expensive. Like making a podcast is really expensive. Um, it doesn't have to be, but I am, you know, okay. So I guess it was expensive to get all the equipment for sure. And I, I was privileged enough to have funding for this. So that wasn't coming out of my pocket, but that definitely took a large chunk of money to get a portable field kit happening and that was really important to me to get a kit that was small that I could bring on a plane or whatever and reliable and high quality and all those things um but it's expensive in in a couple of other ways one I am delegating the majority of audio editing mixing and mastering to a production company so I'm working with a production company to make the podcast happen so that's that's an expense and I'm doing that because again I don't have the capacity to do all of that myself so they take the audio and bring it up to broadcast standards and do like all the ID3 tagging and you know all, all of those things I also um, license the music that's used on the episodes so that's another cost and then there's just like the human cost <laughs> of making all of the marketing materials and digital assets that go with the um, with the podcast. So um, it's expensive in that in that way, and it it doesn't have to be. Like people make podcasts on their iPhones, but uh, I'm just neurotic enough to uh, to really dive into the deep end of podcasting <laughs> from the onset. <laughs> I do mine in uh, GarageBand. Hey, I do mine in Logic, which is just like, I don't know, GarageBand's like older sister. At the risk of sounding extremely business-oriented in a potentially negative way, um, I, I, I'm always thinking about the quality of the product because I'm constantly looking for future funding. And so if I have a very professional-looking product, it is easier to convey to a potential investor that um, I am a professional person. And that's that's been really tough in general with input output because it's like, I don't have a background in any of the things that I'm doing. <laughs> so right. I like put a magazine together. I had no background in, in that at all, whether it was design or journalism or production of any kind of 
publication, had no background at that, and I also have no background in podcasting and almost no background in recording. So I, uh, I've learned a lot. And so it's, it's important, you know, when I'm pitching this product and saying like, I'm a musician, but I swear I can do this. <laughs> it's important to be able to sort of back it up. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I get, I have a, I would say that I maybe have the opposite approach. Tell me about that. Like I am, I almost am actively not looking for funding. Oh my gosh, wait, tell me your secrets because I would love to not actively look for funding. <laughs> like, I just, I think that if I, I can't do this the way I'm doing it and I can't have the conversations I'm having um, and having, and with having people endorse me. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I, I totally feel what you're saying. And so this is really interesting. I think... Yes. So I, earlier in this conversation, I mentioned that I don't identify the genders of the people in the magazine or the podcast in any kind of public way, um, unless they they unless that's like a part of what they want to talk about or something, which often it is. But um, in any case, I don't force that. But I will say that third party interest in input output has been hyper concerned with the gender thing and hyper concerned with the aesthetics thing. So um, genre identification and gender identification has been at the forefront of their interest and they meaning investors or um, press. And it is a really uncomfortable thing. Cause it's like, no, like I don't want to like, <laughs> you know, introduce Alison Burick for instance, as like, the woman saxophonist of input output like ew like I would never do that that's horrifying um <laughs> but people want packaged uh things they want easily digestible things and and that's definitely been something that I've come up against so I totally feel you on that and then also there's like the littler things that are awkward and uncomfortable like I do do advertisements um on the Input Output podcast, which is, you know, when I recorded my first ad, it was <laughs> really uncomfortable <laughs> to be like trying to sell something. I mean, the the good thing with that was like, I was able to write my own ad script, which was cool. So I didn't have to like read someone else's words. Those were my words, <laughs> but it is, it is kind of awkward, but we, we also have this sort of like practical need to, to bring money in. Um, so right. it's hard to like monetize and make money without like sacrificing your soul. Right. I mean, that's, this is not profound. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. So how did you, I mean, this might have to go off the record, but how do you sure. go about getting, like, how did you get an advertiser without having proof of listens? Yeah. So this totally doesn't have to be off the record um it okay. might fall into like i might start sounding like an advertisement right now but this is actually genuinely me for sure i i i genuinely do recommend working with her um and podcasting is a hosting service um and they are free to use so it doesn't cost anything to host your podcast with them uh do they have a upload limit 
They have no upload limits, nothing like that. They are owned by the evil entity that is, from what I understand, although they are not forthcoming with that. I just heard that the other day, and I was like, shit, but whatever, it's fine. So, but the great thing about Anchor, <laughs> I mean, one of the great things, they, they host your podcast, they also distribute it, but really... The, the nice thing about them is that you can start monetizing your podcast with advertised sponsorship um, from the get-go without any minimum listenership. So the first sponsor that you get is, drumroll, surprise, <laughs> um, which requires no minimum listenership, but like they're, the CPM rate is actually fairly high. It's like $15 for a mid-roll ad. So meaning that after the ad has played a thousand times, you make $15, which sounds dismal, but it's actually, that's pretty standard. Um, but as your podcast gains traction, what happens is that they start to match you with sponsors that for one reason or another would be a good fit for your show. So that might mean a topical uh, fit or maybe just a listenership fit. So if an advertiser is looking to find a show with 20,000 listeners a month, that's maybe that's how they connect with you. And um, instead of getting a script, you get um, mandatory calls to action. So they basically tell you what you have to say <laughs> within that time frame. Like by the end of your ad, you should have told your listeners to go to our website or something like that. So it's a little bit flexible, but um yeah, it's not a huge amount of money, but, you know, when you're a tiny, tiny entity like input-output, every cent counts. <laughs> so, right, um, totally. Yeah. So I feel, so they must be relatively new, right? They are very new. And I should mention, although they're not free, they are unsurprisingly taking a cut of your profits from your sponsorship ads. <laughs> so, so they are advertising on your podcast and taking a cut from their own advertisement on yes. your podcast oh yeah All right. solid um that's a good question i don't know if that's like different for their own company but probably not honestly i think um i don't have the percentage handy and i don't want to be wrong on the record of how much they take but it's like a it's a decent chunk of chunk that they take from your advertising revenue so it's like right. oh that's how they're making money <laughs> yeah so like i use one i think i pay 9.99 a month nice and um at the time that i started this was the cheapest one that didn't have an upload limit oh interesting. so that's basically the only reason that i chose this one and uh there uh I think there's they they will help you get um, advertisers, but my numbers aren't high enough to qualify yet. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. a whole thing going on there, but yeah, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm also not too worried about it. Right. Totally. Um, I mean, I it's know. like, and obviously, as sponsors reach out to you, you have the option to say no. And that's been a concern for me because I'm just like, I don't know. It's like, am I going to like plug like insurance like in the middle of my podcast? <laughs> like, I don't know. I need to like, I mean, I will. I will confront my threshold of, of corporate selling out at some point. We'll see. 
Yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but whatever. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. I mean, yeah, we all will. <laughs> uh, the So something that I've found pretty interesting slash depressing is um, almost in Toronto, almost every time I go to a show, someone I don't know comes up to me and talks to me about my podcast. Oh. And Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And except literally zero times in my life has a stranger come up to me and talk to me about my music. <laughs> so it's like a weird like it's sort of like a weird what am I doing with my life? Oh, kind of yeah. situation. But you're only one episode in. But I'm like, we got to we, we should keep checking in now that I know now oh that we know this gosh, is so easy. Totally. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, oh, my gosh, I have so many thoughts about what you just said. So one thought that I or one question I have for you that I think would be really interesting to discuss is, do you see your podcasting self as separate from your musician self? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Oh, actually, that's a tough one. It's kind of complicated. I mean, I feel like... I have to think about it, but... Um, in a lot of ways, I don't, I don't see them as separate either. And I guess that's what makes me so uncomfortable about people treating me like a journalist, even though um, I guess to some degree that's true... I still feel like I'm just a musician that's talking to other musicians and then sharing. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'm just so aggressively unprofessional that no one feels that way, <laughs> the way that I handle it. I need an ag aggressively unprofessional t-shirt. Actually, maybe that's your, that's your revenue source making t-shirts that say aggressively unprofessional <laughs> and they should I'm... like always be out of stock. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on, I'm working on beanies right now that say knockout ginger is a podcast. Oh my God. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm going to get one. Uh, they're so making beanies is like quite a bit more expensive than I would have guessed. Like, everything is so expensive. Can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> like, I, I, I tried to get around the cost of getting professionally screen printed tote bags by screen printing my own tote bags. So I, like, turned my old apartment into a screen printing factory. Um, but the, like, <laughs> the mental and emotional cost of that endeavor was absolutely worth the, like, $300 it cost someone else to do it, I have to say. So, I mean, I, so just from my perspective, hearing you say this, uh, <laughs> I would have, I would guess that like me figuring out how to, just the way that I work, by the time I f actually figured out how to screen print my own tote bags, I probably would have spent <laughs> nearly $300 on all the, the bullshit that I yeah, no, totally. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh my gosh. So wait, how much, like, what's like a cost per unit of a custom beanie? <laughs> like, 
like $20 unless I order like $500. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, I always get those promotional emails that are like, beanies, currently like $2 each, and you're so psyched, and then they're like, minimum order, like $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if there's anything to take away from our conversation today, it's that there's a whole spectrum of issues to run into as a podcaster and you definitely shouldn't become, become one, whoever you are listening. (laughs) Um, just kidding. It's great. Do it. Go get yourself a microphone or something. I don't know. Yes. Everyone should podcast. And I keep saying that and no one's listening to me. (laughs) Just scream into the void, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. I think a lot of people don't quite understand the power of a podcast yet which is still shocking to me oh it's so powerful i mean gosh i mean audio only content i mean i guess this is kind of a throwback to the old school radio days but what you're left to create on your own in terms of your imagination it's fascinating you know hearing someone's voice but not seeing them or, or at, le- at least it changes your perception of what you are hearing like silences take on this whole new character and people ha- you know they have all these idiosyncrasies that come out in their speech that are really fascinating I don't know I think it's I think it's fantastic I love it yeah I'm a big fan and just like seeing what The idea is to, like, get away from the old model of the jazz world. Mm. Like, paying someone to mail CDs to people and tell them that your record's good and then essentially telling someone else to write about your record being good, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Building... So, what I'm trying to say is, like, I'm only 20-something episodes in and I'm already feeling a little bit of a bump. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. It is fucking amazing. Like, I thought it would take so much longer to see any sort of, like, uh, just on a just on a basic level of someone coming up to me and saying, hey, I checked out the record that you and so-and-so were talking about on your podcast. Yes. That's so, so great. No, I mean... To, to your point, I actually, like, I hear you say that, you know, I'm doing this in such a, like, DIY way or whatever, but I already see a bump. Like, that's so inspiring to me. And I think, and I guess that's, you know, I'm inspired by people like you and, like, people who who go out and just, like, make the platforms that they wish were around. Um, like, I just can't, I can't with <laughs> all these people that are super dismal about, about the old jazz way that you just described. It is it is dismal and it is really discouraging, but it's 2019 and we can do something about it. So let's do something about it. And and I know that our efforts are small, but I think that they're important. And and I feel that too, you know, like when I I get emails like daily from from the most random people. Like I got an email from someone in California the other day and they were just like, I'm a huge fan of the magazine. (laughs) And I was just like, 
who are you? How did you find out about this? And it's cool. Like, I mean, although, you know, big data is like horrifying and everything, but it's, it's, it's cool to see the analytics of this stuff and see, oh, you know, the first episode of IO has been listened in three different countries. And I'm like, this is great. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. And, and it's inspiring for sure because I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think you can relate to this. I find all of, all of this, um, documentation to be really urgent. Um, and I guess what makes me feel very urgent is the history of, of jazz and creative music, which has been poorly documented to say the least. So I don't know. I just think it's really important. Tell them. Yeah. Um, I should link you up with my podcast friends in Toronto, uh, Tara and Kira. They have a great podcast called Grillith Fair. Oh my gosh. Tell me about that. Um, the name Grillith Fair comes from obviously Lilith Fair. Oh. Oh yeah. So like. Yeah. I need uh, to know more podcasters. I'm really excited that we did this because it's, it's really helpful to sort of, I don't know vibe with another podcaster and share the struggle <laughs> yeah it's awesome it's uh, yeah plus your podcast is really good i mean i've listened to a few episodes i haven't listened to all of it but it's been it's been really fun you know the t- three that i've listened to are allison jess and robbins and uh it was interesting with like Jess Ackerley's episode because I've actually talked to Jess on social media for a really long time now. Like, I don't even know, like a year and a half maybe. And I had never heard her voice, um, just like speaking. And then I listened to your podcast and sort of got a sense of her personality. And then we met in person recently and it was like, Oh, I feel like I kind of know you because I heard this podcast episode. <laughs> and also we've talked a lot on social media, but it was it was kind of funny to like have that primer before meeting her in person. I mean, she's great. She's awesome. Yeah, that was my first time ever meeting her. Oh, um, no way. Cool. What do you have coming up? That oh, you wanna... coming up. Let's see. Things that I have coming up. I mean, the podcast is is really the the primary thing that that I'm really hyped about right now. So I hope that we can sort of share some listeners, send some people over to Knockout Ginger, send some people over to IO. Um, but other than that, the other thing I'm excited about is I'm releasing a new record. I'm releasing a bunch of records in 2020, but one of the ones that I'm most excited about is the Umbrella Pine record. So Umbrella Pine is my duo project with Alison Burrick, who is a saxophonist and bass clarinetist and vocalist. And um, we've been working on this material for years. I mean, I've been playing duo with Allie for like six plus years at this point, which is really special, Um, especially at this age where it's, you know, I feel like that was such a 
really interesting musical experience to have at such a young age, like trying to figure out how you deal with a guitar and a saxophone (laughs) in a duo setting in a variety of ways through improvisation and composition and things like that. But in any case, we've been sitting on this music for so long and we finally recorded it and are ready to share it with the universe. And now we're just in that very exhausting and stressful stage of mastering and distribution Um, but it will be coming out in early 2020 and i'm i'm pretty excited about it because i have like no records out right now pretty much so it's really bizarre to me (laughs) that somehow i haven't really done a lot of recorded music releases in the um like creative music vein um so i'm excited to have something to show people so it, it's because it really surprises me when like people reach out to me and they're like, I love what you're doing. And I'm just like, how have you heard it? You've never heard it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a lot of like stuff on Instagram, I guess. Some people may have heard that. But um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm most excited for. Umbrella Pine and the podcast. So stay tuned. Sweet. Uh, we should do a Toronto date. Oh my God, we absolutely should. You know, I'm going back to Canada for like the second time in my life. Obviously the first time was, hey, that's our, the birthplace of our friendship. Going to bleep that out though. (laughs) Fucking. (laughs) We don't have to. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a conversation for after, uh, for after the mics are off. Um, But yeah, uh, I'm going to Montreal for, for New Year's and I've never been to Montreal. Sweet. So that's exciting. What are you doing? Just hanging. Just hanging. Nice. Um, yeah, in any case, definitely looking to spend some more time up north. So we'll make it happen. But yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on. I'm so excited about this. Me too. Uh, I'm. I mean, I hope this works. I mean, <laughs> if not, we'll have a very compelling half of our conversation that we can share on our own podcast and listeners will just revel in the mystery of the silence.